Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman. My goal in hosting this podcast is to dive deep into what brings us joy and pleasure and what sets us on the path of happiness. I've got to say, when I really started to hone the vision for this podcast, I had absolutely no idea what I would learn, not just about my guests, but about myself as well. If you enjoy my conversation with Allison, I would be incredibly grateful if you would share this with a friend. I've spoken about this before with guests of all faiths, that I have never been an overtly religious or even a faithful person. I spent a decade of my life believing religion as a whole, and that's a big whole, was a detriment to our species and our planet. But so unlike the conversations we have in this space, that belief lacked nuance. And when I started speaking with, actually really talking to guests who hold dearly their faiths and religious beliefs, I started to gain a much clearer understanding of how their happiness stems from their convictions. I can think of two guests off the top of my head whose conversations were built around entrepreneurship and emotional intelligence, Nicole Jansen and Eric Pennington respectively, who have used their beliefs to build lives and careers they are truly proud of and fulfilled by. And now as I write this, I have to ask myself, who was I to ever want to take that away from them? It's a question I've come to ponder quite a bit, and it's a line of questioning my guest today has used to find a belief system that works for her. When I say in this episode that Allison has a scientific approach to her faith, I really, really mean it. She is the most well-versed and well-read person in terms of religious works I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, and I'm so thankful for the conversation you're about to hear. Allison Delfume is co-founder of What the Faith, a platform for faith misfits looking for authentic, non-biased spiritual dialogue. When not podcasting and event planning for What the Faith, Allison is deeply passionate about the intersection of spirituality and entrepreneurship and explores that connection through her own podcast and work in the startup space. Please welcome my guest and friend, Allison Delfume. Allison, how are you? I'm doing good. It's been uh, it's been an interesting season of life, but it's been good. Well, that's uh, that's that's good. I'm glad that uh, that things are good for you. Interesting how I'm always intrigued by uh, by that statement. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it's the end of the year, so I feel like it's reflective time, getting ready for the holidays, things like that. Uh, but I made like actually two weeks ago, I think when we were originally supposed to have our recording together. Um, I. Uh, made like a pretty big job shift. Um, oh, and wow. so just, you know, just kind of just new, new transitions, new seasons yeah. and very exciting. That's awesome. Um, do you, do you mind sharing? I mean, is it, is it a, an exciting change for you? Yeah, I am excited. Um, you know, uh, originally it's kind of, I guess not, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I always have considered myself to be a pretty cautious person. I think I am still pretty cautious, uh, but it's also been, you know, a good time of just kind of following my gut. Uh, yeah. My passion is like the intersection of of tech and and wellness and spirituality. And so um, had a few opportunities just like in that field. And 
Uh, so I'm just kind of taking the holidays off and then uh, doing some freelance work. But yeah, kind of shifting gears and moving more into kind of that intersection of tech and personal personal wellness. That's awesome. I'm excited to talk about that. But uh, before we do, I, I, I the end of the year is fascinating to me. And so you mentioned end, uh, end of year practices. Um, I, I, like so many people, I used to get swept up in the new year, new you mentality. You know, what are your new year's resolutions? How long are you going to go before you break them? Because that's just the, that's what people expect of, of themselves and of each other. And so I, in the last handful of years, I've really changed my, the way I view the end of the year and that, you know, from December 31st to January 1st, that's just a new day for me. I mean, it, you can still have that, that fresh feeling where you can have reinvigorated motivation, but I don't, I don't want to make a drastic change because I know that it's, it, that's something that's not going to stick. And so I, I go, I, I guess I'm just curious, what, what do your end of year practices look like? I mean, aside from, you know, celebrating the holidays, hopefully with your friends and family, I mean, your, your, your internal practices, I mean, what do you do to kind of wrap the year up in your own mind? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, pretty aligned with you there. <laughs> um, I have anything I actually view more of like the springtime as yes. um, more like symbolism of rebirth. Um, yes. You know, personally, I am a Christian and but I even think like just the Easter holiday in itself, uh, whether you, you know, believe in the divinity of it or not, is actually like a really good uh, lesson on rebirth and uh, kind of redemption after failure and kind of all these things. But yeah, I think for me, you know, the end of the year, um, and, and that's like a practice I've been working on is I, I think I'm more of someone who, uh, like dwells on the future, Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm always trying to be like four steps ahead of where I'm currently at. Um, and that's definitely been something that I've worked on, uh, obviously during the pandemic, but just in general, um, of just, I think the art of being present and the art of not being reactive, yeah. Um, and it's interesting how like both of those go together, but yeah, I think it's just, uh, for me, it's, I almost look at it as like a week at a time, right? Like I still have like a general path, but I think I've learned to accept this idea of like, we really don't have much control. <laughs> um, and if you actually look at like the science of habits and, and things like that, it's actually really easy to start with like incremental change. Um, and I think it's kind of that idea of like, you know, you need to have other things in order before you can like really make a jump into something else. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, like a lot of people's New Year's resolutions are, I want to lose 20 pounds, or I'm going to go to the gym, you know, but they've never, they, they don't even have like a routine in place already for that. Um, and I think what ends up happening is like, you see that at gyms, right? Where like the first two months, the gym's Absolutely. packed and by like March or April, you know, it's kind of like the regulars that are still left. And, and I think also though, too, like that's just setting your year up almost like in a weird way for failure, <laughs> like, yes. like just ha like how humans work and um, no, but so like for me, at least wrapping up the year, like I'm, I've definitely, you know, and it's a struggle for me. Like I am very much like a person who naturally worries about the future, but I think I'm trying to be more just in sync with like the present moment. And I've actually found that that almost helps me improve more. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like what you said. Um, I don't. I mean, going to going back to habits. It's when people try to tell themselves they're going to lose twenty pounds. Uh, you know, in the new year, it's 
building that habit, you have to make, like you said, incremental changes at a time. Now, you when you are committing yourself to going to the gym, you're making multiple changes within a short period of time. Not only do you have to carve out time for that, but you have to build a new exercise routine. And so when you're trying to do a number of things at one time, like you said, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. And so creating a habit of movement first for as for this one very narrow example and just getting out walking whether or not it's january 1st or what you know today's november 19th if you just get out and go for a, a walk for 20 or 30 minutes you start to build yourself up to getting into that habit of moving and then perhaps in a month then you'll be in a place where you can you know find a gym membership and you can actually really accelerate your 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 progress toward those goals so yeah i mean jumping into something brand new when you have to make major changes to your life you're you're not going to put yourself in a position for success that way yeah absolutely yeah um you know i i've I've been wanting, I've been thinking about the end of the year myself, and I've been wanting to add more content uh, to the podcast, not just in in spoken form or, or you know these types of conversations, but I, I want to get back into doing some more writing and perhaps, and I, I shudder when I say this, you know, some video content. So I've been working on an article just talking about how I've found this new love for the winter. You know, when things seem to be dying, when everybody is huddled up inside, when the days are short, and I, I've started to reflect on that. And I've started to realize that I have a newfound love for the holidays. And I think in my twenties and probably my late teens, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, I, I, it was kind of a, a time of anxiety for me for no real reason. It wasn't, wasn't something that I, I truly enjoyed, but I, I think through a lot of my work that I've done with lifestyle design, my, my appreciation for others around me, my, my slowing down, my mindfulness for, and, and being appreciative of what I actually have in my life, that's that's really started to give me a newfound sense of joy during this time, which I know can be difficult for a lot of people. And you know, you yourself, um, being you know, having a religious background, identifying as 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 Christian, I mean, are, are the holidays something that you find a lot of joy in, or is it? I, I guess where where do you fall during that practice? Because I know you had kind of a a, a difficult childhood too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like with every family, <laughs> there's, there's always drama, um, whether like all year round or even just at the holidays, right? Like family dynamics can be, can be difficult to navigate. I think, uh, I think as I've gotten more into like adulthood, um, I also have more of like an appreciation, I think for the holidays. Um, I think I'm probably one of the more like proactive people in my family of just, yeah wanting to get people together. I think, um, you know, even without the religious component, like the holidays is like a great excuse to get everybody together. Um, yes. where maybe throughout the year you're, you, you don't see each other much. Um, and yeah, so I think for me, you know, I think, um, as my spirituality is just like developed and grown, um, you know, in the last few years, I, I think I do have like a newfound, even just appreciation for uh, example, like the Christmas story. Um, and I mean, there's so many layers there, like even where like Santa comes from, right? Like I, yeah. I went through this whole like psychedelic Christianity phase earlier this year and, you know, like the history of where like Santa Claus's costume comes from <laughs> is actually from like early day uh, shamans, um, like even before paganism, right? And so yeah. there's a lot of talk around how like Christmas symbolism comes from pagans, but actually like the pagan symbolism actually came from like even further back. Um, and so, yeah, I, I actually find like the Christmas holiday, um, I'd say like a really good opportunity to kind of like expand my knowledge just on its background, where it comes from, 
Um, obviously, like historically speaking, Jesus would have been born like closer to September, not December. Um, you know, I don't think they would have been trekking in the the snow. <laughs> right. Um, but there's also like just like lots of nuances uh, to the Christmas story. Like, for example, like last Christmas, um, I actually spent majority of like my time thinking a lot more through um, the like journey of Mary and Joseph. Right. Yeah. As like young. I mean, Mary would have been, I don't know, 13, 14, um, you know, and, and I think um, there's a lot of symbolism around like trust and unity and I think Mary's relationship to uh, Elizabeth, her her cousin, and and I think there's all these like other symbols besides just like Jesus being born from a religious standpoint, or like Santa Claus is coming to town from more of a secular view. Yeah. Um. And so I really enjoy that. I mean, I love the gift giving thing. Um. You know, obviously, like there's limitations to that. I don't think Christmas should like just be about getting gifts. Right. Uh, but I think it's a good excuse for people to like show, you know, gratitude. And I think hopefully I hope it's like a time for people to slow down a little bit. I don't know if that's always the case, but um, no, I don't know. I I've, I've like been very intentional of like every holiday season trying to like unpack or tackle like a different angle to the holiday, um, either if it's like a Christian perspective or even another faith perspective or just secular. So, yeah, I, I absolutely love, I love how you approach that. And, and, you know, in a world where I think we close ourselves off and really narrow our belief systems and try to surround ourselves with only the people who share those beliefs, it can, we put ourselves in a very tenuous situation when it comes to interpersonal communications. And so I love speaking with you and then, and then for a little bit of context, and I will make sure that all these show, these notes are in the, or these links are in the show notes. I've spoken with you twice on your various podcasts and they've been fantastic podcasts. And I, you know, I've told you a bit about my story, how, you know, I, I, I grew up Christian. I, I, I wanted, or I, 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 I guess I, I let go of all my beliefs or whatever there were in my twenties and during college. And then I came back to realize that I just, I, I don't know what's, what's out there. I'm, I'm willing to accept any new knowledge I can, I can bring upon myself and I keep an open mind. I mean, you can call that agnostic if you want, but it, it is what it is. And so I just, I, I like how I, to me, it seems like you take a very scientific based approach to your spirituality. And I don't think that's a sentence I've ever said before. And I, I really, really <laughs> appreciate that about you because you're just always constantly learning and you're growing and your, 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 your mindset is, is shifting with what you're learning. And I don't know, it's, it's, has that always been how you've approached your spirituality and, and your, your personal growth? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I kind of, I grew up in like just a kind of culturally Christian household, you know, I mean, we, we went to church on like Christmas and Easter to like, you know, check off the box, but there was really like no real conversation around like a genuine spirituality. Um, my great grandma was like a devout Presbyterian. And so like, I kind of like, I mean, I, you know, I was like 14 when she passed away. So I had like some exposure, but there was really no conversation about like, well, this is what we believe and why, or, um, it, I would just actually say like the faith conversation in our family was like pretty non-existent. Um, and, but I've always been a like critical thinker, a very curious person. I was very spiritual at like a young age. Um, I don't know how much of that just comes from like 
like having kind of a rough childhood or also just like being deeply connected uh, to, you know, like a, another kind of realm. Um, but I think, I think that like me being a very curious person and I've always been pretty open minded and actually through the spiritual experience and journey has like made me even more open minded. Um, but it really wasn't until I was in college, you know, and I, I think that obviously is like a classic time for, for people to reflect on what they grew up with. Do they believe and align with what they were, you know, the values that they were taught as a kid? Do they kind of shift gears? Um, and, you know, like now looking back on it, I definitely think that um, God or the universe or whatever you want to say, definitely like put that in my radar as far as just becoming interested and why people believe what they believe and uh, can they argue for what they believe? How does that change their perspective on the world, perspective on their neighbor? Um, and so I don't know, I think, and it also, I think helped cause like I didn't have religious baggage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I feel really grateful for that of like, um, you know, I, I meet definitely more people who come from like religious baggage than, yeah, anything goes. And so I think yeah. that because I didn't have really any past experience with it, I was able to like enter into this realm of questioning and studying different religions and reading different books and talking with people and really having an open mind. Um, like I like to put it of when I first started kind of my journey of reading different religious texts, um, I kind of came it like went into it being like, well, maybe I end up being a Mormon you know, or maybe I end up being an atheist or maybe I end up being a Buddhist. Like I, I really had no, uh, end goal. Yeah. I just was curious. <laughs> and if anything, I actually really didn't think I was going to end up as a Christian. I thought really gen genuinely, I thought I probably would end up like generally spiritual. Yeah. Um, which I mean, some people probably would put me in that category. You know, I have Christians who think I'm not Christian. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, some of it was just like my environment. I think some of it is just being a curious thinker anyway. Um, but I think the beauty of my experience has really been um, actually engaging with people who like don't have a religious affiliation. Yeah. Because I think one of the things that's very shocking is like, it's very rare I've realized to hear someone of a faith, especially more of a like Western uh, fundamentalist kind of, you know, religious history, say some of the things that come out of my mouth, <laughs> like my perspective on um, how I even, you know, got to where I'm at, my perspective on the Bible, why my, I view my faith is always evolving. Um, you know, I've had some friends and people say that like how I talk about Christianity almost sounds like a foreign language. Uh, Cause in some regards it like feels like a totally different religion yeah. that I think most people are introduced to in like an evangelical fundamentalist kind of background. That's extremely interesting. Um, I, it was, it's fascinating to, 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 well, first of all, you said you don't, you didn't, you know, come into religion with, with any baggage and that's not really something I would considered before. And obviously there is a lot of baggage in a lot of different religions. Um, I, the first that comes to my mind is probably a bad example, but Scientology, there's, you know, uh, mm -hmm. all of the, and I apologize if I offend anybody, but the, all of the cult, like, uh, I guess, uh, essence surrounding that religion but i mean more mainstream you think about catholicism and you think about uh all of the troubles the church has had with uh with priests and and young boys and that's you know obviously a ton of 
negative baggage as well. And that doesn't necessarily, because, because there are some bad apples does not mean the tree is bad. And so that's, that's hard to navigate some of those waters sometimes. But what really, really struck me by what you said was that some of your friends, I, I think you said friends or some of the people you know, don't necessarily may not consider you a Christian, which is interesting to me because I mean, if you have the belief, if you hold the belief system of Christianity, if you, you study the Bible and you know, you can clarify where I'm wrong here. I don't know. It's that, that labeling and that it, to me, it seems like a, a bit of, um, a little being judgmental a little bit because you're not practicing the way I am. And so therefore you cannot have the same type of affiliations that I do. That just, that seems odd to me. And I'm curious if there's a deeper meaning there. Yeah. I mean, I think about this topic a lot, um, even just beyond Christianity, for example, of like, well, what, um, like what are the, the markers or like, you know, what are the standards of like, you have to believe in these things or do these things to be of that religion, right? Like, I think most people would say, well, to be um, part of the Latter-day Saints community, to be a Mormon, you would believe that the Book of Mormon um, is like a divine writing from Joseph Smith, right? Like, I, I think that like most people would say that's like would be what classifies someone from Mormon or non-Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Christianity, right? Where it's, uh, I think the baseline, and, and this is what's interesting about like, spirituality is that for as much as like spirituality is fluid, I think the religious label is very like black and white. Yeah. Um, and right. So like to be a Christian, most people would say, well, you need to believe that like Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross after three days, he was resurrected. Um, and like through Jesus, you know, you're saved or, uh, to be Buddhist. Right. And, and Buddhism gets into a little bit different because there's the divide between like the philosophy of it and then the religion right. of it. Um, right. But I think about that a lot of like, what's the black and white? And then like, what's the gray area? (laughs) And like, I think this is one of the things that like Christianity, especially has like really struggled with, um, is defining like what makes someone a Christian or what doesn't, right? And and even in the like progressive conservative divide of, I find it fascinating that like how the culture's gone in the U.S. is like, well, if you are a Christian who believes... um, you know, the gay community, uh, can act on being gay, then you're progressive Christian. If you believe that homosexuality, um, is inherently bad or not God's design, then you would be viewed as like conservative. Um, but what I find interesting about that is it's more complex than that because I know Christians who, um, are more conservative leaning on the LGBTQ side, but might be very progressive on the topic of abortion. Right. And so it's like, and and that's where I think that, uh, you know, if you look at like the church's decline in the U.S., I think a big portion of that beyond just like all of the very, the baggage and mismanagement in some of these big churches is this obsession with like labeling and our obsession with denominations and, you know, I'm Southern Baptist, right? Or I'm Presbyterian yeah. or I'm Epis- Episcopalian. Um, and so... I like think about that a lot of like what, like what classifies something to be Christian. I don't think I even have a say in that. If someone says they're a Christian, that's cool. Then that's how they feel. Um, But I, that comes up a lot where, you know, someone will, uh, for example, I was talking with someone the other day and they said, yeah, I listened to that podcast, but like, I don't find that very Christian, but like, to the podcast host, like that's a Christian podcast. Um, and so I just, yeah, I think it's, uh, 
And that gets more into like the messiness of like organized religion, where I think we've become hyper obsessed with like the label and not really just of the journey. Um, you know, but then on the flip side too, I think uh, there is something like beautiful about sometimes like, you know, sticking, you know, like kind of like drawing a line in the sand Yeah. of like, Hey, like this is my identity. And, um, an author I really love, Paul Metzger, I think he does that beautifully where he's a more conservative leaning Christian, loves and engages his neighbors and friends who are of other faiths and is able to do like both where he's able to like stand firm in what he believes is the closest to the truth while also having openness and compassion and empathy and a willingness to listen and learn uh, from people who think that they are closest to the truth as well. <laughs> so I think it's like a very hard balancing act. Uh, but I think when you're able to accomplish it, it actually creates like more beauty and meaning in the spiritual experience. Um, yes. At least what I've found. Yeah, that's a beautiful mindset. I, I love that. I mean, it, it, it seems like the two are so closely closely related, at least they have been in the last 20 years in which I've been paying attention you know, between religion and politics. And we, we love to hate on the other side. We, we do, but we still interact with people every single day and we don't get in into what your personal political beliefs are. And I, I can have friends who are conservative where here I am being fairly liberal and it's just, it doesn't come between us. And so I'm, I'm always, I'm always, I don't know, fascinated is the right word, but just by these where 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 you draw that line and, and why somebody's personal beliefs or the why the way somebody lives their life should or could have any bearing on the way you live yours i i i i i, I know what i believe i know what i'm passionate about and you know i, I talk a lot i talk about a lot of those things here in the podcast but I, I never want to try and shift somebody's opinion because it's their own or their belief system because it's their own and that would be not only I guess, uh, impractical to try to do, but it would be disingenuous as well because I, I would not want the same done to me. And so if you can have these open and honest conversations and I, you have to, I don't know, it's, it, it seems like we're putting ourselves in a much better place to have firm and healthy relationships with others around us. So I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't get how somebody can say, oh, you believe this. I want nothing to do with you. And not only on, to- <laughs> on top of that, I want to tear down everything you believe even it just it 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 hurts me to to even think about that yeah it kind of reminds me of um so ashton my my partner he he falls like more into probably like buddhist philosophy and things and yeah he's been on like an alan watts kick um and he sent a video the other day it was cool it was like a kind of like drawing video um over and it's um the road to hell is paved with good intentions and like talked about that exact concept of that like and the kind of where i fall too is um the difference between like conscious virtue and unconscious virtue and that you know i mean if you look at any war or any political divide or any religious divide i mean both sides generally believe that like they're in the right right Right. like that they are acting out of good intention because they believe that what they're they hold as their value or their intention is the best that it will have the best outcome. And I think it's this thing where that's a very hard truth (laughs) to wrestle with. (laughs) Um, But I think about that a lot of 
right? Like I make decisions about my life, whether it be about my business, like career or personal life or family or personal, whatever it is, uh, because I believe that it, I will have the best possible outcome. And I yeah. believe I'm doing what's right. Uh, it's the same thing where someone can have a completely different lifestyle than me. And maybe I don't agree with it, but I have to respect it because as long as they're coming from good intentions, like I understand that that's just like part of the human experience is that like, we're gonna get it wrong. Right. <laughs> and there will always be the balance of um, good and bad and suffering and joy. And that's that's just kind of life. And so, and I do generally believe that most people act in a way because they think what they're doing is right. Yeah. Like I, I think for the most part, yes, there will always be, you know, intentionally malicious people, people who take advantage of, uh, you know, innocence and religious communities. Absolutely. Right. But, and yeah. that's also part of the human experience is like, we love power. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think we're, but in some ways too, I, I think, you know, that is so integral, integral to this, this, how humans operate. Right. And I think we, we see it even now in a U.S. context, right. Of, uh, extreme political divides, um, and, and to kind of actually bring back your, your point about Scientology, um, I'm very, like, for me personally, like, I am very um, hesitant or cautious to, like, use the word cult uh, just because with my experience, and I've actually had a lot of experience in, in engaging with Scientologists, is, uh, you know, when you're in it, you don't think you're in a cult. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, to them, they're like, this is the best thing ever. Um but what I find interesting about kind of all of these, what I would put like um, highly organized, highly uh, dictatorship organizations, ideologies, and you, you know, you can sit back and be like, how did all these people who probably started with good intentions end up being in a position where they're like a puppet in the game? Right. Um, and I think the common thread I've seen with any sort of toxic ideology um, toxic religion is it's this concept that there has to be a figure that divides yeah. the the common people from the ultimate like utopia yeah right and the same yeah. thing with the catholic church right you have the priest is the person who's like the vessel for you to be able to connect with god right so right. if you want to connect with god you have to please the the priest and so i mean that's a hard thing <laughs> that's like a hard thing to wrestle with you know i, I mean i have even as a Christian, like, you know, I have, um, some like devout Catholic friends who I extremely like just disagree with, you know, there's like right. things about the Catholic church that I think are beautiful. Like I love their rituals and, um, but I myself like would never be Catholic, you right. know? And so like wrestling with like understanding why people think that the Catholic church is great. Also understanding why people don't think it's great. Um, and I also think too, uh, I don't know if you listen to Duncan Trussell. It's like a totally run bringing all these, all, all these like various people from across the spectrum. I love um, it. But, but we listened to uh, a Duncan Trussell episode on, he was on Joe Rogan, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he was talking about how um, this like concept of, or, you know, and, and it's kind of a scientific theory around that there's, you know, there's multiple versions of us in different dimensions. Right. And I loved how he like brought it into a spiritual like lens where his thing was like, okay, so that means like if there's multiple of me all living at once and just in different dimensions and scenarios, who's to say that like in a different dimension, 
I'm a completely different person. Right. And so, and I loved his ability to um, say, well, maybe that's the whole point, right? Of the greatest commandment in Christianity is like to love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's to say your neighbor isn't just a version of you from like a different dimension. And that has like really, I know it's like kind of like, you know, it's Duncan Trussell. So it's like out there. Right. Right. Um, but I loved that. And like, honestly, out of anything I've heard around the concept of like compassion and empathy for someone who lives their life differently than me yeah. or is in a different like scenario or situation than me, that has provided me like more help than anything else. Right. Cause like then I'm able to sit across from someone who I can completely disagree with and be like, yeah, like maybe in a different dimension or a different life, I would have thought that way. Yeah. I don't agree with it, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's the balance is like, um, some things in life are very like binary, right? Like I would yeah. consider their things to be like very evil and good. Um, but also life's full of the gray area. And so I think that is like the challenge is like, how do you balance your values with also like growth and learning a different perspective and like the gray area. So kind of a tangent there, but I feel like I brought it all together. (laughs) No, that's fantastic. Um, It really helps you start to gain a little bit of empathy when you think about it that way. And I, I love the idea of either simulation theory or multiverse theory and just thinking about there are alternatives of who we are out there. Um, I read a short story one time and I will do my best to find it to put in the show notes. Uh, it's been so many years, but essentially the idea was uh, somebody, the, the character in the story dies and he meets his, his maker, the creator, universe, God, or whatever you want to call it. And he gets to have a conversation with, with uh, the creator. And the creator goes on to tell him that he too will be a God at some point in his life, but he has to go and live every single life that has been in existence. And so your neighbor, you're going to go live that life. You're, you're the person across the street, you can go live that life. And essentially in eternity, you go about living every thing in existence the life of everything in existence. And it was just, I don't know why that was so mind expanding when I read it, just thinking about that we are all connected in such a way that maybe I'm not living your life and vice versa, but we can start to think about what that may look like or what that may entail and start to get an understanding of, okay, yeah, I mean, with what you're saying, that's not my personal belief system, but hey, it could be if something else would have happened in my life that led me down that path. And so it's fascinating to think about and it just allows you to gain a better understanding of just what makes people tick and hopefully adds a little bit of compassion to your world. Yeah, and I mean, obviously too, it's one of those like topics where if you think about it too long, it's gonna like gonna give you a headache. <laughs> you know, it's... um and that's why too, you know, I mean, I've definitely learned like more about um, like Buddhist philosophy just through like Ashton's, my pers- yeah. like, my partner's personal spiritual journey. And, and I think that's actually really like helped me enrich my personal faith as a Christian. And so, I, you know, I really do like that blue, uh, Buddhist philosophy around like, you know, ev- everybody is energy. Yes. Everybody is like an energy in this collective whole. And he was even telling me the other day, which I thought was interesting is like, you know, with the whole afterlife thing is this concept of like to be human is like the greatest gift. Yeah. And so even if you make it to like, you know, like the heaven realm or like the God realm, you have all these gods who like want to go back 
to earth to experience like the human experience. Right. Um, obviously like, I don't know the specifics, so maybe I'm saying it wrong, but that's how I perceived it. And like, I really think that there's like beauty in that. I think there are like some Christian beliefs that like could be similar, but I like this idea of like, everybody is, if you are energy and everybody's a part of this, like one collective whole, the energy you give off into the world, like matters. Um, now some of that is like, you know, the karma of like, um, uh, but I, I don't know. I like, I think about that a lot too, where it'd be really easy for me in conversations to like, not have compassion for people of being like, well, I'm right. And you're completely wrong. And in, there's lots of times where like, I do think that, like, I do think I'm right. But also that's the point. Like, why would I hold a belief system if I didn't think it was at least the closest to the truth? Because then it would be a waste. Right. And I think that for everybody, like, I want everybody, like, regardless of their faith, to like, live it out to the fullest. Because that, like, if you don't do that, then it would just kind of, like, what are you doing? That's like part of the human experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know what I what I really love about Buddhism, and that it's honestly it's probably the the only philosophy or religion, whatever you want to call it, that I've I've actually done any studying in. And the more I, I read into uh, Buddhism, the more confusing it gets. But <laughs> what I, I really love about it is, you know, you you have this cyclic existence where your your goal is continually to try to alleviate suffering of others. And you know, when you're finally able to do that, or when you're finally able to relieve your own suffering, that's when you reach nirvana. And that's that's just always been extremely interesting to me. And so, I, I that's that's. I don't know. It, it's fascinating to to think about, you know, the motivation behind our, our life is to help others live better lives. And, and through that you have uh, karma. And I mean, even if you don't take a philosophical viewpoint on it, when you treat somebody poorly, unless you are, unless you have no empathy, which I think can be in some instances construed, you know, kind of more geared at psychotic tendencies you are going to feel bad about when you do wrong to somebody else, which will in turn affect your life over the next 15 minutes to a few hours. And so that, that karma is very real without the philosophical or religious implications. And that's just that thinking about that has been fascinating for me. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, a friend of mine who like before the pandemic, uh, wasn't like spiritual or religious at all. Um, him and I actually talked the other day on the phone and he mentioned something about like right before the pandemic hit, he had come over to our house and we were talking about our podcast and things. And in his eyes, he was just like, Oh, like religion's so dumb. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit. And then he realized that his like life didn't change at all. Like he was living the pandemic lifestyle, like before yeah. COVID. And, um, it was just so interesting to talk to him, you know, then like a year and a half later of he's gone on the spiritual journey. He's now become a Zen Buddhist. And like, it was so crazy just listening to him on the phone of like, you can like hear the confidence in his voice. Like he feels like he has a vision and path, you know, for his future. And one of the things that came up in our conversation is that, and one of the things I like about the philosophy approach with Buddhism is that I think with just how our culture has shaped up and I think just the 21st century tech hurry and worry culture, I think spirituality is like kind of a secret weapon. Um, And even if you don't hold the like religious beliefs of it, I think understanding like the, the basic principles of 
you know, all religions, right? I think there's like some really great principles from Judaism, Islam, Christianity, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism. Um, I think you can take from both. And I, it's so interesting because um, I think we might have talked about this too, of like, I think that a lot of the answer to why people feel so lost is uh, like, can be found in some of these like ancient spiritual practices. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that lightly cause I don't want people to think, and I say that lightly cause I, I think sometimes when I say it, people are like, oh, you're just trying to convert me to Christianity. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. If you find Jesus and that works for you, like that is awesome. That's yeah. what worked for me. But like my hope for people is like, whatever you find, I like think that there is such like wisdom and yes. these like ancient religions that through time have almost like been watered down. And I've had some people agree with me. I've had some people disagree with me, but like that is my biggest gripe, I guess, like with the self-help book movement. And like, don't get me wrong. I read self-help books. I think they're, they are great. If you take like one or two things away from each of them. Right. Right. And it makes you better. Awesome. But what's interesting to me about a lot of these like personal development coaches and and people is like if you actually like boil down like what they're talking about or teaching, it's just what the Buddha and Jesus taught thousands of years ago, you know, and like, and so, and I have this thing of like, why take the watered down version when you can get like the full (laughs) experience? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I, I agree with you. I think there are one or two points to be taken away from self-help or self-improvement books each, but I, I think they are written in a way and marketed in a way to attract the most, that the greatest number of people. And so I guess in which the readers have to do the least amount of work, because I, I think yes. that is burdensome for, for readers, not only to pick up a book within itself, I love books. Don't get me wrong, but it, you know, picking up a book nowadays is, I, I think, something that not a lot of people will task themselves with. Let alone, all right, they can read. I've got nothing wrong with audiobooks. I, it's it's fine. I prefer physical books. I'm getting on a tangent, but aside from that, it's just I, I think they're really geared toward people who want to do the minimum amount of work to get the maximum amount of results. Yes, um, and there's something to be said of if that's best for society, but um, right. and I think that's why. Um, I think that's why like Buddhism has like really picked up in the West for a few reasons, I think. Um, but I like, that's like one thing I'm envious about of like Eastern religion. <laughs> it's like, there's so much more, it's like so much more about like the philosophy and science. Yeah. And like, I've seen that yeah. where I think that this like scientific neuroscience approach to Eastern religion has been like an amazing gateway for people who otherwise probably would never have like picked up any sort of like spiritual book. Yeah. Um, and that's why like, I love the book, uh, like 10% happier by, yes. by Dan yeah. Harris. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause like that was his experience. Right. Whereas like, he was like miserable, had like a whole on like breakdown on live TV yeah. and got into Buddhist religion through yeah. just secular meditation. And I think there's like something to be said for that. Um, and I think that is why, like, right now, I think Buddhism is, like, really enticing for people in the West. I think it feels totally different than what I think a lot of people grew up with and, like, fundamentalist 
religious culture yeah. where it's like, this is what you do and everything else is wrong. <laughs> um, but, and I also think too, like it really enhances, I see to me, it's like they all go together. Yeah. Like learning more about Eastern philosophy is enhanced my Western religious view. Yeah. Learning about Judaism has improved my Christian view. Learning about Islam has improved my Christian view, right? Like learning more about Islam and Judaism also impacts like my understanding of Eastern religion. <laughs> like it's all, it's all like tied together. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I've gone on lots of tangents, but no, that's just kind of how it goes with these. That's, that's, I, I love that. I, I want to move on in just a second because we're coming up on 45 minutes here, but I, I, I love how you take all of these different ideas and philosophies and not only do you just pick, you, you don't cherry pick what suits you. You understand that they are all built on a platform to help people live better lives. And, and so you can take yeah, you can you use those, you instill those, so you can become a better person within your own faith, and that I think that's so incredibly important. I think that's something that going back to wanting maximum results with minimum effort, minimal effort, I think that's not something a lot of people do. And I, I, I was I'm hesitating asking you this question because I, I'm, I'm sure we can get into a discussion about it, but I, I, I guess I have to ask. You know, like I said, I love the way you approach your own spirituality. What what do you think of people who identify a certain way? And I'll just say, you know, what, what of somebody who identifies as Christian, but they don't necessarily, they haven't read the Bible. They don't go to church. They just identify it. They identify as that type of person because it suits their narrative or it suits, it allows mm-hmm. them to fit in with their neighbors. What, what, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, well, from a personal perspective, it's, it's uh, challenging, right? Because I, I've seen like how, amazing like my personal journey's been and like I want that for everybody like regardless yeah. of where they land um you know even in like my family dynamic it's very interesting right like um I would say my grandma is probably the only one besides like me and our immediate family who I would consider to be like a practicing Christian right like or of any faith like just like a practicing person of a faith Um, most people are just kind of like agnostic, don't really think about it. Um, but you know, we also have a lot of family friends who definitely fall into that category of like, well, I am a Christian. Uh, but then you ask them, well, what, like, what is it about Christianity that you enjoy? Right. Like that you, you feel closely connected to, um, and they're just not able to say, Mm. um, I think though, I do believe that like people are given certain gifts, right? Like I think that there are many Christians I've met who have a genuine faith, uh, who are just not like super Bible readers. Um, I know other friends who can just like pull a verse out of the hat like that. (laughs) Like I can't do that. Um, I've read the Bible and studied it. Um, but I, you know, I just, it may, it frustrates me. Um, but like my biggest thing that I always try and do, if I come across anybody who, you know, is of a religion, but really hasn't like tackled why they identify that way. Um, I kind of really just genuinely like challenge and encourage people to like ask deeper questions of like, why do you feel connected to that is because you really believe it to be the closest thing to the truth. Do you believe it just because you were told to believe it? Or to your point, do you believe it just because it suits your other ideologies. Right. And I think that that has like been the real big danger 
uh, especially in the U.S., with the connection between like religious affiliation and politics. Yes, because it didn't used to be like that. I mean, like pre Billy Graham, um, I mean you had Christians like across the board, and yeah. like voting Democrat or Republican uh, really didn't matter either way because you know your personal pl- and some of you know your personal political views on social issues like will play into your faith. Uh, yeah. But on the whole, I don't feel like it was as divided where I think now it's this thing of like, well, if you are an evangelical, you better be a Republican. <laughs> and, um, and and what it does, though, is I think that it creates a very conflicting narrative for a lot of yeah. people, um, because I do think that there are people who feel like very convicted with knowing that their obsession with Trump ideology like actually doesn't mix well with right. Christian faith. Um, and I'm not here to get into a politi- political debate. Right. I'm right. more libertarian. I'm, I'm, I'm like the third party person. But um, I think I think the thing is, is that like, crit- and I've thought about this a lot, is like critical thinking is a muscle. Yes. And I think yes, we is. don't, and I don't think we appreciate it enough because, or like, I don't think we give it enough weight because we're so consumed with media and especially social media and it's not in the interest of big media corporations or you know big people for really to like have autonomy over your thinking like that's not what gets views right like I like um, i mean we think about that a lot even with our podcast is like we know that we get less views because we don't like identify with like one side or the other like don't I know tell that people how to think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like I, and I know that like we will not get as many views, but that's okay. That's the same reason why, like I'm very always open about the fact that I read people like all across the spectrum. Like I love Sam Harris. I love yeah. Richard Dawkins. I love Jordan Peterson. Like I love them all. <laughs> like, um, and I know because I quote everybody from all different sides, um, I will always probably offend someone at least at one point in the conversation because there will always be something that like doesn't align with their view. Um, But I think the thing is, is like, I think the people who are thinking about critical thinking uh, as a muscle are the people who are like really going to make a difference Um, because critical thinking, because it's a muscle, you have to have tools and resources to like build it. It's like going to the gym. And, and it's really hard to do that, right? It's like hard to go to the gym. You have to be intentional about it. It's the same reason yeah. why you have to be really intentional about ingesting information from all different sides. And even like when you don't agree with it, like that takes intentional time and effort. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, that's hard for a lot of people. I mean, it's hard for me. Like, I don't like doing it, but that's kind of my goal that I set is that I always make sure I read at least like six books a year from authors yeah. that I can't stand. And that's just like my rule. Absolutely. It's a great practice. And that reminds me of an analogy that uh, one of my recent guests, Amber Trueblood, um, had during our conversation. It'll actually lead me into my last question too. Um, I mean, you go to the gym like any other practice, not so you can be strong for an hour, but so you can be strong for the other 23 hours. You practice meditation, not so you can be calm 
for 20 minutes, but so you can remain level-headed and mindful for the other 24 hours and 40 minutes. It, it's, it's this practice like critical thinking that you need to do on a daily basis. So when you're having an engaging conversation like this, you can actually think critically and you can think for yourself. And that's so incredibly important. Um, I did want to real quick ask you, you know, we mentioned at the top about your career change. And I, I did want to ask where the intersection of tech and wellness and spirituality is headed, obviously in relation to or in slight relation to Buddhism and the practice of meditation, the meditation apps have just blown up over mm-hmm. the last 10 or 15 years. And so I'm just, I'm curious, is there, are there other avenues that spirituality is heading down in regard to tech? And I'd, actually, as I'm saying this, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing if you know anything about, you know, VR and spirituality and stuff like that. I'm just curious where you think the industry is going with spirituality. Yeah. Um, I mean, I view that, um, you know, I think the human brain is amazing, right? I mean, if you think about like the amount of uh, improvement we've made and innovation in the last hundred years is like 200 times what even happened in the first million years of the world, you know, it's, it's just crazy how fast that things are changing and evolving and you know, I, that's what I can't stand about. Like the Apple iPhone is like, I feel like you get one. And then two years later, there's like a brand new one. Um, but I think at the same time is like every kind of going back to my point, right. Is like, everything is a balance. Everything can be good. Something can be good and bad at the same time. And I think technology is like very much in that category, um, of technology has allowed people to do so much more than we've ever been able to do as humans, the capability. Um, there's obviously a bad side to technology, but I think that's like why I'm fascinated by the intersection is because historically speaking, spirituality has been all about solitude. Right. And I think that's important, but like all about just being completely human. And I think that's so important. But then I also think about like, well, like if we like it or not, like the future is tech. Yes. And so like, how are we able to like me- mesh like both together to actually like enhance the spiritual experience? And a lot of that, you know, like, I mean, uh, brainwave readers, right? Like, I think those are pretty cool. Like you wear it yeah. at night and it like monitors your brainwaves, right? Uh, so you can then train yourself to have a better sleep, have a better meditation. I mean, we're even doing that now for like pain control. I talked to my grandpa about that the other day of like, right, like the more we learn about the brain, how can we even use like some of these meditative practices for pain management? And um, so I'm very, like, I'm just very fascinated by that (laughs) because I think that they, it almost seems uh, like uh, uh, contradictory. And maybe that's just what I like in life is like everything has to contradict itself. Um, But I, I actually think like VR, I really don't, I think VR will eventually take off. Um, it really hasn't like you see the VR, right. like TV things at Best Buy. Like I don't really know anybody who owns one. Um, but also with the pandemic and I think a lot of people just like not wanting to go to church or anything like that. Like most religious experiences have moved online. Right. Facebook is like booming right now for religious like groups like you go on a facebook group and there's like a bajillion um so i don't know like i think that we'll never be able to replace like human human contact like that will never be replaceable right like there's something magical about being in person with someone um but i also think at the same time like tech has allowed 
there to be a gateway for a lot of people who I think like wouldn't have gotten into spirituality to get into it. Um, like headspace is incredible. (laughs) And like now they have like headspace for kids, which I think is amazing. And like, so that's what I'm interested to see is like my grandparents generation. Like I'm less invested in like changing their like perspective on faith. Like they just kind of do what they do. Um, but I think more of these, like the millennials and like, especially Gen Z, right? Like it's kind of really the, like the first generation who I think is more open to change. They're more invested in like emotional intelligence, the importance of like a personal spirituality. And eventually like that generation will be parents. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's a positive. That's how I'm choosing to look at it. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. That's that's really exciting. I'm excited to see how things change. I mean, to your point about Facebook, uh, obviously a lot of negative press right now. But I mean, <laughs> when it comes to, and I, I, I will, this isn't the first time I've admitted this, and I, I don't particularly care for Mark Zuckerberg, but the idea of a metaverse is super interesting for a lot of applications. And I mean, I can see, you know, uh, congregations coming together in the quote unquote metaverse, the virtual realm where they can actually, you know, they can congregate, they can, they can have their, um, they can have their, 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 uh, religious experiences together mm-hmm. in a way that they're, they're spread all around the, the planet, but they're still coming together in one space. So it's fascinating to me. So I'm, I am excited to kind of see how that happens. Yeah. And I, I, I think what's interesting about the metaverse is, uh, so I like watched the, you know, like the launch or whatever they did of it, where Zuckerberg goes and like shows you different, he's like changing his outfit or whatever right. of his character. And it was funny. We were like watching on the TV and, I'm definitely not a fan of Facebook. Um, And I was like, oh, this is just, you know, this is scary. Like, this is terrible. And Ashton is someone who, you know, is a full-time creative graphic designer. Like, his perspective was like, oh, my goodness. Like, the world is like my oyster. Yeah. Right? Like, it opens up all these other doors for, like, innovation and creativity. And um, so, you know, and I think, too, it's just, like, wrestling with that of, like, both sides. Yeah. uh, I, I think, and that's a problem though, too, is like, I can grumble about it all day. Uh, but like, you know, Facebook is a powerhouse, right? And there are so many young kids who yeah. will adopt technology. It's the same thing that like I did when I was a 13 year old. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm interested to see <clears throat> how Facebook kind of evolves. I think that like, you know, they're the biggest community globally, as far yeah. as like connecting people. So Uh, My hope is like, as long as it brings people like more people to a sense of like personal spirituality and if people become more interested in like improving their lives, um, I'm pretty much all for it. (laughs) Like whatever that looks like in the future. Yes. I I am with you 100%. Allison, this has been such an incredible conversation. I I always feel so enlightened and and, uh, energized every time we get the chance to speak. So I cannot express to you how much this means to me. Um, before we wrap up, I do have a few closing questions. And the first of which I always like to, I don't know, I like to be as beneficial for you as you have been for me in the last hour. This conversation again has been super engaging. And so I like to ask the question, what resources are you looking for to continue your personal growth? Um, and you know, in case somebody across the world is listening and they say, I can help Allison, what is it you're looking for to grow? Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, um, you know, I always like growing my network and meeting people. And so I think anybody who is also, you know, passionate about the intersection of tech and wellness, either if they work in those spaces or they're just interested in it, 
Um, I always like connecting and, you know, finding people to collaborate with. That's great. I, um, I, I, that, that's, that's something that's been fascinating to me. I've been wearing an aura ring for a few years now, and it's just, it's been super interesting to see how you can continue to optimize your health through the technology that's being developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next question, um, if you could name one book that just had a profound life-changing effect in your life, what would that book be and why? Uh, the five people you meet in heaven. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that book. It's kind of fa- it's pretty famous. Uh, it came out in like the early two thousands. Um, I think it's by who was it by Mitch Al- album, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, that book was uh, pretty pretty pivotal for me. Um, I read it like at the very beginning of kind of my my spiritual quest. And what I love about it is it's applicable for everybody, whether they like believe in an afterlife or not. Um, And it just had a really profound impact on me understanding that like what I do today and what I do, why I'm still on earth, not only impacts my experience, but can impact people I don't even know. Um, So yeah, that's probably my all time favorite book. I think I'm trying, I'm thinking back. I I think I read it. I I don't want to give it away, but I mean the the main character, Never mind. I'll, I'll ask you offline. I don't want to give anything away. Um, and then last but not least, if you could leave the audience with a call to action, uh, one that you either live your life by or that you implore others to live their lives by, what would that be? Um, I think it would be twofold, which is okay. try and be present and try and be compassionate. Fantastic advice. I love that. Allison, thank you again so incredibly much. If people would like to connect with you, if they'd like to find you on the internet, if they'd like to find your podcast, what uh, what's the best place for them to connect with you online? Yeah, so probably the best place would be uh, the podcast I run with Ashton, which is What the Faith. So you can find it at whatthefaith.space for our website. You can Google What the Faith space on any social social site. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Apple podcasts and all that stuff. And yeah, pretty much bi-weekly we interview people of all different religious backgrounds from all over the world and it's a blast and I love doing it and yeah. And it's fantastic. So I, I, I encourage you to check it out. Um, I will have all those links in the show notes again, Allison, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. One more time, I would like to extend a huge thank you to Allison for joining me on the podcast. It's always incredible catching up with her. If you're looking for more conversations on this topic, please be sure to check out her podcast, What the Faith. You'll find a link to the conversation I joined her on in the show notes, which you can find at themosaiclifepodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be incredibly grateful if you would share it with a friend, a family member, or a coworker. That helps new ears reach the podcast, and it helps me continue growing. And last but not least, of course, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. It absolutely means the world to me. I hope your year is winding down nicely. And as it does, please take stock in what's important to you and make sure you add more of that to your life in 2022. Until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.